0: Give The podcast platform of the Phenomenalist by Leopold Lambert. Today, 2.5 million refugees in Turkey. A few architectural and linguistic considerations with Navy video. everyone today my guest is uh, merve Bedir who's a rotterdam based uh, architect uh, researcher and curator and uh, we are recording this conversation in Ljubljana as it happens uh, but uh, but uh, we're we're both here for a limited amount of time uh, hello merve hi uh, so today we will um, address uh, the fact that uh, Turkey is currently the country in the world that has the biggest amount of uh, refugees, and we'll try to give it a maybe a more or less architectural reading of uh, of the situation, and uh, obviously uh, uh, considering the <laughs> absolutely horrific uh, political context <laughs> that is uh, that is currently uh, unfolding in Turkey uh i mean that's, that has been unfolding for a few years now um but before we do so and maybe just to uh enter the conversation in a less uh, grave way uh would you mind telling us a little bit about uh your role in the ongoing uh Shenzhen Biennale uh that where you were uh, a co-curator of a uh, part of the program
1: yeah um thank you Leopold for for finally doing this no, together. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm super happy that uh, that I'm part of the podcast series. Well,
0: I'm very happy to have you as part of it.
1: <laughs> um, the Shenzhen Biennale is uh, yeah this year um, I can't remember which edition it is but basically the education program of the Biennale is happening for the second time. Uh, and we are running um, me and my partner Jason Hogarths we are running the education program and uh, we were actually invited to be part of the exhibition and um, we we kind of pitched this idea of um how to strategize let's say the the reuse of special economic zones in Shanjan area which is Shanjan is famous for uh, and they are kind of transitioning from a a very mass production economy to a less to a less let's say mass production but a more innovation economy as they put in their own agenda uh, starting from this year Uh, we are kind of we were proposing to how to um, strategize the reuse of special economic zones in a way that could be used for learning uh, in different ways in the city and kind of related to design but then for all people in the city and not necessarily only for architects, urbanists or designers in a professional manner. Uh, and this was kind of um, appreciated by the curators and they asked us to do the education program. So we kind of um, inserted ourselves, let's say, in the Biennale program, uh, doing the uh, schooling, let's say, Um but in a way that is very horizontal, very um, let's say learning for all ages and in a non-professional way, everyone is welcome in the program, and there is there is program for uh, in a, in programmed in a non-disciplinary way, uh, but kind of channelized into design thinking and um, uh, te- yeah, let's say teaching altogether or learning altogether uh, on design and. Uh, building together and um, uh, across disciplines, and and let's say looking at the city in a critical way, trying to undo the assumptions that are generalized gl- globally about Chinese cities, which basically you could say that Shenzhen is a good representation of the of the let's say booming China. Um, and you know, in in that sense, it's going really well. I I think we kind of, uh, we are kind of critically putting forward some of the things that are, that are assumed uh, in relation to urban villages, in relation to uh, also even the recent landslide. There's currently an ongoing uh, workshop about that. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's it's really uh, the reaction has been really really nice, uh, also in relation to the criticality to the current. Uh, Chinese education system on on design. Mm. Yeah.
0: So uh, from Shenzhen, let's uh, let's go to uh, to uh, to Turkey as we as we were uh, saying that we the, the conversation will be about today, uh, and maybe to enter the topic, we can even uh, uh, almost uh, make an announcement, so to speak, in. Uh, in uh, the fact that you're you're gonna soon publish the book with our, our good friends of Ethel uh, Bern, Bur- yeah. Paul and Cesar Reyes uh, from DPR Barcelona, um, uh, that is exactly on the topic we will uh, talk about today. Could you could you could we maybe enter the topic by just talking about this uh, this uh, publication and yeah. uh, and uh, and then we'll we'll go into details of the, the problems
1: it uh, tackles um, yeah I'm super happy about it uh, that th- the we, together with DPR Barcelona with their editorial um, guidance uh, or supervision uh, we will be publishing a book on uh, hospitality quote unquote um, which is kind of it starts from the exhibition in istanbul which was named as vocabulary of hospitality but it will extend beyond the exhibition because we have been doing work since then uh, much more in detail outside istanbul uh, in bulgaria and uh, in southeast turkey in the kurdish um well actually we, we the we are currently not working in the kurdish cities but it is in the southeast of turkey um, I don't know if we will call it vocabulary of hospitality now, but it is certainly going to be on the notion uh, and on the subject matter around refugees and migration.
0: Because mm-hmm. you you've been writing uh, a few texts uh, around this uh, concept of vocabulary of hospitality, uh, and uh, and did this uh, created this exhibition in uh, in Istanbul uh, with uh, this exact title, um, and maybe we can. We can start by addressing the words, uh, mm. because that's very much what you do when you present uh, when you present this work. Insofar that uh, in Turkish, uh, the, the word refugee is corresponds to the word guest, if I understood correctly, uh, which immediately th- sounds like something that um, uh, sounds like something benevolent, but obviously when you think about it a little bit deeper, you realize that. Uh, the guest is never at home somehow so it's uh it's very uh it it is very uh ambivalent politically speaking isn't it
1: yes for sure um the the meaning of the word refugee translates in a different way but um the, the way that the politicians refer to refugees uh, in the Syrian especially in the Syrian migrants case um they they refer them they refer to them as our guests uh, so, What's word, um, uh, t- the word in Turkish? Misafir. And basically that was one of the things that we kind of tried to point at in the exhibition. Even if there is a diverse vocabulary around the word guest in reference to the refugees, migrants and refugees and asylum seekers. Um there is a certain violence around it, and that and the somehow within all this the the reality of human rights kind of gets neglected or gets ignored, and that is the actual problem, and that's actually what we wanted to point at um, by saying that there are our guests, you are actually kind of um, bringing it to a to a domestic environment almost in a way you know the because hospitality is is a word that is used mostly in the hotels you know in in tourism in uh, airport in it's really related to this kind of um treating someone in a in a way that you kind of make them comfortable as long as long as they're in the in your territory but it's not really um, and actually, even I mean, going more linguistically to the to the meaning of the word, it uh, it really talks about the hierarchy and um, the yeah. Then then you can think of uh, absolute hospitality and divine hospitality and all, all these things around it. But the the the actual problem is that the more you get into this uh, direction of thinking, you actually miss the essence of the issue of uh, refugees and migration which is the human rights the as a person uh, as a citizen of any country in the world I should be able to travel to any other country I have the right to do that but by calling them guests or whatever around the same notion you are kind of Diverting the subject matter from the reality of human rights, and you neglect it and you ignore it, and it kind of slips away. Th- this is what we wanted to, ironically, or um, yeah, the the the irony in it. We wanted to point that this with the exhibition, and in the, but in a way, kind of also look at the different ways of being guest in Istanbul.
0: Mm-hmm well and we had a, a conversation about this as well uh, more informally yesterday and um essentially, essentially i mean we are we're uh insisting on on the importance of words is um seems can seems maybe a little bit fastidious sometimes but in that case it's it's uh, it's extremely important because from words emerge imaginaries that are related to uh, uh displaced bodies uh, and i was i was reading an article in le monde two days ago uh talking about the the current talks uh between turkey and the eu uh and the the way the way the those those talks were described were incredibly uh, um um disincarnated as uh, they were talking about how much refugees they could transfer from Turkey to the EU and how much the each each country of the EU should uh, should accept a certain uh, amount i mean all this using using figures and things that are vocabulary terminology that applies to goods objects but certainly not to human bodies with life and and god knows uh, a very very um, uh Drastically affected life from uh, from uh, wars and and and, and yeah. conflict and uh, economic
1: precariousness. Uh, it's a matter of bargain now. Mm. Uh, like first it was two billion euros, now it's three billion euros, and now the now Turkey doesn't want to accept three billion either, and they want more. So it's a matter of bargain. Like how many bodies do you sell or? Uh, by yeah. it really became that kind of conversation and Greece was uh, threatened to be pushed out of European Union union if they don't uh, push back the uh, the undocumented um, migrants in their territories so it's really uh, it's it went well beyond the apprehension so far so we are I think breaking new records of um, <laughs> inhumane behavior uh by all means, mm.
0: yeah. yeah. It's uh, there's a, an economy of lives uh, that is uh, un- unfolding. Um, maybe we could talk about um, this exhibition in Istanbul and bec- and maybe ha- bring the sort of uh, architectural aspect uh, to. Uh, um, I mean, something that we can we can address in a with. A, more or less confidence, I suppose as, yeah. as architects but uh but could could you describe this uh those architects uh architectures of hospitability os- hospitality. hospitality which clearly are not hospitable in any sense of the term
1: yeah <laughs> um actually just in relation to what we have been talking like the the um uh, taking it more from a human rights point of view and uh, the right to the city and the representation of um, different sex, sections of the city and the peoples of the city, um, whoever we are sharing the city with, whether they are guests, hosts, migrants, I mean, in a, uh, in any um, background. Uh, one work that was really, for me, and that's how significant in the exhibition was, Um, uh, uh, um, something that was developed a piece that was developed by um, two um, artists from Syria uh, one from Uganda I think Uganda in Nigeria Uh, who has been uh, an artist living in Istanbul for uh, more than five years now and uh, one uh, artist from Turkey, uh, they all together made a work about the city of Istanbul. And they actually uh, found out the different words that the migrants uh, use for different streets and squares mm. of Istanbul. And they started making uh, these names into uh, street plates. How do you call it in English? And they literally they were like hanging them under the Turkish ones, Uh, and then this kind of started to become a map. So it's a in a way like I think it's a perfect. It's a very beautiful uh, way of showing uh, what kind of different people live in a city and how, what kind of language they use for the city and how for them what the city means. Uh, and in this case, one really interesting example is. Um, I actually want to uh, um, tell the names of the artists first. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's Abd Noa, Basam Namhan, um, Metehan uh, Özcan, and Ofi, o- Ogi Lufu Luabo. Um, and actually, Abd and Basam are not living in Istanbul anymore. They already uh, went to um, Sweden. Um, and they, yeah, I mean, one striking example for me is like uh, the, the name İstiklal Street, which everyone would probably think of first when they think of Istanbul. Uh, it The French migrants, migrants from French language background, they call it uh, Mil Mindele, which means a thousand white faces. And this is literally the name of the street for them. They they they don't say it's the glass street, they say Mil Mindele. and we don't know this, right? Like nobody knows this, and in this with this piece, it kind of became visible to people, and uh, th- this is where you really, I mean, the the the city is also theirs, and the, it it should be more visible and more. Um, Presented and represented. So in that sense, I find this work very inspiring and um, provocative.
0: And humorous, right? Also, (laughs) is that uh, Ciracelvile streets that becomes a Sylvester Stallone
1: street? (laughs) Because (laughs) simply because they can't read it, they they can't pronounce (laughs) Ciracelvile easily, so they just started to call it Sylvester Stallone, and and it's kind of it's something among the. The newcomers, let's say the really newcomers, the most recent uh, population in Istanbul. So uh, yeah.
0: So yeah. So I mean, we we're still uh, somehow in the words and the imaginary they also, they convey know, yeah, in and... uh, in this right to the cities that you are evoking, but uh, what about the the buildings themselves that were um, very much a, a questioned in the yeah.
1: yeah spaces and buildings uh, in uh, in the exhibition. Um there have been i mean there are also works that are that were done before uh, one one one example is uh, banu janneto's work uh she looked into the um migrants from chechnya uh in 2004 uh, literally 166 if i'm not mistaken uh, Chechnyan, uh migrants were brought by the presidential plane from somewhere either like south of Afghanistan or north of uh, Pakistan I I can't even remember the territory anymore but they were were escaping from the war in Chechnya and they were brought to Turkey and they were settled apparently, we didn't know in the beginning, in this uh, summer camp from the state railway organization which is like in one of the most beautiful neighborhoods in Istanbul by the Bosphorus. And next to it, there's like a beach club. And then on the other hand, there's... On the other side, there's army barracks and army sites, which are very important sites in Turkey. And they're kind of not visible actually in the map. And on the north, like there's this big shopping shopping mall, uh, which was built with a lot of controversy... And right in the middle of all this, and with the sea on the other side, there was the summer camp, and the Chechen migrants were settled there. I'm not even sure if they obtained any status. Um, But they lived there for a long time. And actually, while we were preparing for the exhibition, Bano and I visited the place again to see what happened. And, And they were taken out two months before we had visited so somewhere in 2014 they were taken out from that and they were taken to another safe place but this is for instance a, a situation where the the guest becomes ghost like uh, uh, because they were not in they were not visible at all to anyone nobody knew that chechen migrants are living there and nobody cared uh, and it was a, yeah, I mean, it was a complete situation of invisibility, um, ignorance plus um, um, lack of information, let's say, literally lack of information <clears throat> and ignorance from people. Um, and they have, yeah, I think these people, um, the, the 166 uh, people from Chechnya, they, were, they lived there for, for, 10, for more than 10 years. Once in a while, we were reading news about them on the newspapers. Uh, we actually made the re- uh, archival research into, tur- into Turkish newspapers, and I-, I think I counted like four news about them. That's it. Mm-hmm. And just like two months before the exhibition, they were taken to another place. And you see there like the the, the settlement of a summer camp, which is supposed to be temporary anyway, Uh, becoming a space for refugees and how that kind of um, the fact that it's a railway uh, site uh, it's from the state, it's a state organization and on the other hand there's this really high end beach club with like Brazilian dancers coming up uh, in the summer nights and on the other hand there's the army barracks and on the other hand there's a shopping mall like the, the the the combination of all these uh, sites together kind of explain actually the context in in a in a much better way than the words can explain mm-hmm. when you look at it spatially. Uh,
0: what about the quote-unquote <laughs> guest house that you yeah. you've been working with uh, Ali Alijan Ina? You know?
1: Yeah, Alijan um, is a, also an architect from Istanbul. Uh, with him, we did this... Um, I mean, the the work is very much um, inspired from methodologies of forensic architecture mm-hmm. in Goldsmiths. And uh, we actually got in touch with some people from there to kind of get advice on how to do it. Um, and basically what we did was... I mean, the, the, what I'm talking about is the detention center in Istanbul. Um mm-hmm. It is in the historical peninsula, and uh, it used to be, I mean, it is right in the heart of the, for, uh, the in the Armenian neighborhood. And most probably, we couldn't 100% prove it, There's we couldn't find uh, official documentation for it, but most probably it was an Armenian uh, property that was confiscated in uh, in 1950s that was confiscated by the state and it became a courthouse and it's second degree monument Uh, and then in 2000 around 2000 uh, yeah not to make a mistake I will just say around 2000 uh, it became a, a, a detention center but I think at the time it was used more as a reception center and a detention center at the same time and I also have a problem with all this uh, this terminology, by the way. But that's another subject matter. Um, and um, so it was, yeah. For uh, till two thousand and ten, it was used as a sort of am- more, yeah, ambiguous reception center, det- detention center. Part of it was also still used by the police uh, as like a neighborhood uh, police center. It was like a mix of functions. And then in 2010, I think in, in relation to the accreditation process with European Union, Turkey had to make a law about migrants and refugees. So within that framework, the, the uh, detention center properly became a detention detention center, let's say, in terms of the function. And before that, actually, it was called a guest house, literally. Uh, the name of the place was, a, was Kumkapu Guest House. Um, and we we were trying to find documentation. It is actually the building is depicted in a couple of novels, uh, that is talking about the area. And then the area is actually quite a touristic neighborhood uh, with like fish houses, raki restaurants, meza restaurants. Uh, you name it. You name it. Like it, it was a really touristic neighborhood. It is a really touristic neighborhood right in the historical peninsula. And this building sits there, like it, it is from the past, uh, but you can't reach to it. And then there is a, kind, there's a there is a certain timelessness around it, let's say. Um, and basically the, what we did was, because we couldn't find anything about it, other than the newspaper articles and the reports from, uh, human rights organizations, and some academicians who ha- who were able to enter the place and uh, make research. Um, we basically started talking to people and using Google Maps, as simple as that, we started to make the model of the building and then with conversations, because like there are several thresholds in the building. There is the threshold for the lawyer, there is the threshold for the human rights uh, organization representative, there is the threshold for the visitor who wants to see the detainee, and there is the threshold for the detainee. And, and like, so all these uh, thresholds mean in terms of, um, yeah, how much you know about the building. And the most, let's say, secret place is actually the, the cell. There is a cell. Uh, in the building, which we weren't able to identify somewhere, one in the women's section and one in the men's section, when they want to really uh, isolate a detainee, they they put them there. Uh, so we basically, by having conversations with several people, also by the detainees themselves, some of them, we found some of them who uh, went into the building and came out. We spoke with them and basically we made a model... Uh, of the building and what was really for us uh, good about this was that after the exhibition uh, the model was uh, the simulation of uh, seeing the building from the inside was taken by uh, law faculties and it's kind of part of the curriculum now that that when they talk about the detention centers they actually show the former guest house um, so in that sense yeah uh, i
0: i think it's it's very important to insist on the way you you did this uh, representation and you you you cited it uh, earlier forensic architecture uh, i th- i i think we should talk about that because um i think both of us uh, are a little bit um well not a little bit very suspicious of every architecture project that uh help <laughs> that that claim to to to be like a, a help to refugees or even uh, for that matter to many other communities and um and forensic architecture uh not not to say that this is the only way we should be practicing architecture but uh uh e l Weisman and his team at Goldspace um very much invented a new function of the architect uh considering a sort of expertise that we are being uh, we are being taught um to to to have uh and using using it in a very specific uh context which is uh both in uh in their own investigation of drone attacks in Pakistan and Gaza and you in the case of this of, uh, of uh, this guest house in istanbul uh is the translation of words describing a space into the representation of a space in a i mean to to put it very simply in a in a computer model uh and we will we'll, i will we will um uh, integrate the, the video you've been doing of this uh, guest house in, um, uh, on the page of the podcast. Uh, but this is very interesting because what you end up with is not so much the model of the building than the translation of the description of the building. So it really insists on the representative aspect of it, but it also gives it a, a, a more incarnated uh, vision because it's it's a, it's a, it's an incarnated memory of the building. And then, I mean, in the context of, of forensic architecture and very much, I think, in, uh, in uh, the, your own context, it both a means to describe something that is not visible and something that can uh, act as an evidence. Well, yeah, as an evidence in public debate or even uh, in the way forensic architecture was created in the context of a court essentially yeah so uh could you maybe tell us just a tiny bit more about about this attitude as an architect of translator which which is interesting because it it kind of puts back architects to their to their place somehow it's like uh it's very far from the hero the hero architect uh Mm -hmm. and it's much more uh it's much more an immediate uh um uh use uh of architecture skills that are i think uh very crucial actually in the end maybe it's more yeah. humble but it's actually more crucial yeah in it political becomes debate more
1: crucial. yeah it becomes more crucial definitely i mean i don't know if i could say anything on top of what you have just said beautifully <laughs> um because i really i mean especially some of the, the presentations that we listened to yesterday uh for the reason we are in Ljubljana. um I'm very much questioning like, uh, what we are doing <laughs> in the name of um, help. <laughs> um, I mean, in a way, we have to be very careful with every step we take. We have to question ourselves, question our position at every step we take, and we have to be very critical to ourselves, um, more than we are critical to everyone else. And in that sense, I think this also makes i mean this kind of work um more important because indeed it's like you said it's very humble uh in a in a way of like revealing something revealing um a, a, a shell uh, or dissecting the anatomy of a building let's say um, but uh, it's um, yeah, I, I could give an example like the, the this uh, kind of modeling and getting into the analysis of the interviews and then overlapping different interviews on top of each other and trying to uh, articulate the details of how the interior of the building works and then actually finding out about how the, the circulation pattern works in the building and then again validating that uh, finding out where the secret ca- not secret—how uh, do you say—cameras are in the building, and then where the monitor room and how the monitor room works, and then the storage room. The stories about the storage room, uh, because actually the, the the detainees also lose their pro- uh, belongings to the uh, police and all kinds of relationship in the building that took so long so so long time, such long time. I mean we be because it's easy to it's much easier to speculate or it's much easier to um say something based on a couple of observations, right? Like the I mean i maybe it's a bit of arrogance now, but it's really like the the more you get into the details of it, the more you really start to understand the dimension of the issue. And that makes you more uh go back to the in your uh words the actual position of the architect let's say um so in that sense i think it's a for me the for me the interesting thing the the interesting statement from from this work or further is really the the how critical we have to be to our own position and how um, yeah, how careful we have to be talking mm. and talking and acting on on the matter on this matter.
0: Yeah, and I think it goes both as uh, uh, quote unquote citizens and and architects uh,
1: yeah. in in both. Uh... And by the way, one thing that I should also mention in relation to the detention center uh, or formerly guest house is um, uh, in relation to the work that we did there. Uh, it's um, the fact that I mean, we talk about the position of the architect and the and the let's say and let's say the um, kind of appropriating the tools that we learn in terms of uh, design and uh, communicating that design with the with people with others. Um, how how much actually we are really using the classical tools of architecture by simply making drawings and models and etc but then it is actually also quite bold to um, to kind of uh, translate this in different disciplines so the fact that you're doing something about um, that is within the that is within the tools of uh, the discipline of architecture but then and the discipline of law or the discipline of human rights like these then this tool and this methodology and this product could be, or the object that you uh, kind of put forward, then gets translated into another discipline's uh, field of work and kind of uh, is appropriated in that discipline for another purpose. So in that sense, it's actually quite bold. You know what I mean? Like, it's in a way very humble within your own, Um, field of work or within your own discipline but in a way it kind of in the way that it can leap reach to or um, um, attach to other disciplines it is quite brave and bold attitude so in that sense i think the we can discuss further what uh, forensic architecture can do
0: um so so far we mostly talk about uh, the situation in Istanbul, but um, I mean uh, Turkey is a v- very big country, and as you said, you you're uh, you're also working in the southeast of uh, of the country. Uh, could we maybe uh, uh, finish this conversation with uh, with yeah. this work that you're doing over there? Can you tell us more about
1: it? Yeah, um, we actually not the the the things that we have done. Let's say, beyond Istanbul is not only in the southeast. Um, last year during the One Architecture Week, uh, together with Marina Otero, we were, we did a road trip uh, from Plovdiv to the border, uh, the Syrian till, border, uh, to the border between Bulgaria and Turkey. Oh, I'm sorry. We followed the river. Uh, so the, the topic of the Architecture Week was Maritsa River. Uh, and Maritza River is uh, is the border between European and Union and Turkey. is part of the border between European Union and Turkey. And last year, um, two thirds of the migration to Europe happened actually across this river. Um, and uh, so we didn't want to only look at the river in the city, but like along the river. So we uh, we kind of went along the river and actually follow the border along the river. And um, that that's also a kind of... Um, uh, another forensic analysis is necessary in that area, I think, with the kind of security, new security measures that are applied from the European Union side, uh, literally like the, the new security towers that are being erected and how they are treating the border at the moment along this river is kind of... Um, really important i think to dissect more into and actually also relating it to it to the fact that it's a river you know it's an element that is left over from what we know as nature and the, how that's being treated and um yeah as i said in relation to the uh, to the new security measures from european union and from the turkish side um so we were doing that um that uh, uh, trip that um, uh, investigation uh, let's say um, and we actually have been to some of the um, facilities that were uh, created by the European Union in Bulgaria uh, together with Bulgaria for uh, asylum seekers migrants undocumented migrants etc um, so the we went to the reception center and how the architecture of the reception center is organized we saw that and actually the this this is maybe uh, important to mention here that uh, um a new technique is being used in terms of uh, retina retina scanning and this is um, we were told and this needs to be confirmed but we were told that this technique is actually not really tested uh so there is some I mean there is something to be investigated there further. Um and this is not the job of an architect, we only were observers in that case. Like the, the fact the fact that I mean, how the technologically advanced or uh confirmed that um new way of uh let's say registering people, um because in, in some cases uh, people go uh, as far as getting uh, temporarily blind and etc but then also the mere fact that you are uh, scanning or registering people with the retina scan um, and this is being used in the reception centres in Bulgaria at the moment, uh, this was something that was really striking for us mm. and also they um, I think they also started using it in Bulgaria now, This uh, these chips um, um, that they used to uh, allow people to uh, actually, in their expense, some budget from the from whatever organization that is funding the reception center. And this technology is also used in Turkey in the refugee camps. And as far as uh, I remember from last year, the Zatari camp was also going to advance to this new technology of uh, using... Uh, giving like chips per person for their expenses in the camps um uh, and in the reception centers um but yeah, I mean, I must say i'm not going to go go into the details of that, but the the whole um the whole river and the border uh, between these two countries is also something really important to look at in future, and that could be future work um against in terms of forensic methodologies because we uh, we figured out that there is actually um, a refugee uh, cemetery, uh, which is used for the uh, for the people who couldn't cross the border, but they fall to the Turkish side. Um, that is something to look beyond. And then there's also um, there there are also the reception centers and the de- not the reception centers. There are the detention centers that were built before the. European Union law uh, was applied was started to be applied in Turkey, and those detention centers are not in use anymore. So they, some of them are being appropriated by the people for certain functions, and some of them are kind of invisible now, disappearing into the landscape, almost dilapidating into the landscape. So th- those are kind of new research topics that might be coming up, uh, and going to the southeast is more. uh, uh Well, we did research on the refugee camps in some of the refugee camps, both container camps and the tent camps, uh, as part of the uh, program last year in preparation to the exhibition, uh, which we then didn't include the exhibition. Uh, But after that, after those uh, visits and um, uh, research, we decided to start a project uh but more an idea by the refugee women in uh, Gaziantep um and this is this is just the start of the project so i don't really i mean i hope it will work out in that sense so i, I don't know how far we will be able to go also given the current context in turkey um but the idea is that um Migrant women and the local women—they—they they came up with this idea of uh, cooking and, um, and doing agriculture. So we we tried to create a pro- uh, proposal around it and applying for some funding and trying to initiate it. Um, but the idea there is to kind of reverse this understanding of guest uh, into the position of host uh for for me it's kind of like the uh the development of the understanding of citizenship with with a y not with an i in the middle but with a y people f- being from the same city kind of seeing the city as their uh common ground that is something that is now developing in in that area uh, in the area that we are working i shouldn 't talk about the other ones um, but in the um, in gazante with with the women that we have been in touch with, there is really this um, um, um, feeling of being from the same city. Mm. So they they might be from different countries, they might be from Uzbekistan, they might be from Iraq, they might be from Syria, they might be Kurdish, Izidi, whatever background, but they do feel like they are from the same city. And this is very interesting and very inspiring to dwell on for a, for a new project, let's say. Um, that, that kind of, the city brings them together and they are aware of that. They all came to that city and they live there now. And they they do say, I'm from Gaziantep, whether they're from Turkey or they're from Syria or they're from Uzbekistan or they're from uh, Iraq, who came here like uh, 20 years ago during the first Gulf War. So they they have that kind of um, binding agent, let's say, the city. Mm -hmm. So this is for me, again, another interesting point to kind of get more into but maybe that's more of an anthropological research. Um, and and then in this case, yeah, the, the kitchen and garden is really something that we hope that our, let's say, authorship kind of disappears and it's kind of their initiative and their um, work or their uh, environment. Uh, and we kind of facilitate it continuously uh, as long as they kind of, require it to be so in that sense I also really um, like the the fact that let's say design as much as it it could be called design in the case of the kitchen and garden uh, could actually invest in uh, improving the capacities of people uh, in a way that they can um they are not in the form of bare life anymore you know that that they can that they can become social and political figures of their own and in a way if this kitchen and garden could create a ground for that then that's kind of again like questioning the the position of uh, my own position as an architect as a citizen as whatever you call it Um, that would be again something that is for me, um, like um, positive is not a good word, but like uh, constructive mm-hmm. uh, attitude. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think you said it very well when you said it. To go from guest to host, yeah. and I think that that kind of loop the entire conversation. So that's great <laughs> to to con- to conclude it. So thank you so much, uh, Merve, and uh, well, good luck with uh, with all those projects. thanks. Thank you very much.